You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is one of the fastest growing social media applications that there is dedicated to outdoor enthusiasts. Uh, This app is basically a community of all like-minded individuals who love Mother Nature, love to be outside, love hunting, fishing, camping, all the activities that people love to do outside, you're going to find a community for those activities within Go Wild. Now, you can download the app directly to your mobile device, your phone, and you can find that at the Google Play Store. That's where I download all my apps. Or for more information, you can go to timetogowild.com, read up on the app, read what it's all about, lot, lots of detail on their uh, on their website. So uh, get outside. It's time to go wild. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast, the number one source for hunting and fishing information, strategy and tactics, as well as conversations surrounding conservation efforts and other outdoor activities in the great state of Iowa. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we have a really, really good podcast. We're going to be talking with J.D. Rogie, and he's going to talk to us all about trapping, snaring, and hunting coyotes. I've, uh, I've kind of noticed in the past year or so, I've seen an uptick of coyote activity on my farm. And on this podcast, uh, we're going to break down different ways to get them out of the system, weed them out, uh, kill them, shoot them, trap them, snare them. And uh, it's a really good episode. If uh, you've ever wanted to find out more about trapping or snaring or even just calling them in and shooting them with a gun, uh, this is the episode for you. And uh, if you guys haven't already, please go check out the iowasportsman.com website. Tons of great information there. Lots of great articles about hunting, fishing, trapping, all the stuff that's going on in Iowa. You can find good content there. It even has a link to where you can subscribe to the magazine. Again, more great content from the magazine. So check that out as well. Enough talking. Let's get into today's Hunting, Trapping, Snaring for Coyotes podcast with J.D. Rogie. All right, back on the podcast again, we have a returning guest, J.D. Rogie. How you doing, man? Doing good. Now, aside from being freezing cold, what's uh, what's been going on since the last time that we talked? Oh, uh, you know, not a whole lot. Work, work, work. Uh, yep. First season's kind of winding down and... and uh, just trying to get the last last little touches put on everything. Yeah. So when it comes to trapping, does extreme cold weather like this improve the trapping or does it decrease in the amount of traps that get set? It makes everything monumentally more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it does make everything hard. Uh, freezing conditions makes... Uh, you know, bedding your traps, getting your traps to not freeze in, very difficult. Uh, right. Pounding stakes is quite a chore. Um, removing them is even worse. 
so yeah, it, it makes things difficult. Um, not impossible, but difficult. Um, as far as, I mean, animal movements, uh, obviously they got to burn more calories when they're, when it's cold like this. So, and we start getting into breeding season for coyotes. Um, so they're, they're moving pretty decent right now. Um, you see a lot more pairs as they start pairing up, you know, here coming up. Um, right now is a good time if you're going to be out, uh, hopefully have some of your some of your preparations made for coyote trapping ready if you're going to go out there and try to chip a trap bed in right now it's going to be awfully difficult but uh the the coyotes and the bobcats are moving right now for sure gotcha and it's their breeding season for both coyotes and bobcats yeah cats are a little bit later here but yeah they're they're starting to, they're starting to feel the urge that's for sure gotcha so when does that does that start typically uh, if coyotes had a rut would that would that be february I would think that, yeah, and unfortunately, that's just after the trapping season. But they, it starts in, into January too. I mean, they start uh, they start pairing up a little bit in, in, in late January as well. Gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. So, and that's kind of what I wanted to. I want to get into coyote trapping today, but as a whole, how was your 2018 trapping season? Uh, different. We had some odd weather to start with. Um, I didn't set as much out as I would have liked, and that was more of a you know somewhat weather weather related and somewhat you know it was very wet early in the year, which makes things difficult. Right. Uh, and and unfortunately, jobs always get in the way of the fun, right? So I mean, yeah. uh, things were things were you know busy at work, and I didn't do quite as much as I would have liked to this year. Yeah, we had a couple uh, big snowstorms. I, I I say big for the time of year in November, did that, did that hurt your trap lines at all? I did not get those. We, we were, we had uh, snow the first two weeks of December and that's about all the snow we've had up here so far, oh, okay. which is kind of odd, but okay. uh, we've had a little bit of a dusting here and there, but other than that, the snow we had the first couple of weeks of December, pretty much through the deer shotgun seasons, that's all the snow we've got up in my corner of the world. Gotcha. How was shotgun season for you? That was good. We, uh, we saw plenty of deer. Um, we had kind of a smaller crew than we usually, we usually go with, but, uh, we did okay. And we, and we filled all our tags and, uh, no big bucks, but you know, a couple of, couple of average ones. Gotcha. Filled the freezer at least. Yep. Shot a lot of does. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Coyotes. I hate them. And, uh, <laughs> and that's mainly because I am a, I, I'm a deer hunter. At, at in my rawest form i'm a i'm a deer hunter and i know what uh coyotes do to a um a deer population if they don't if they don't go unchecked and i'm not against killing out all coyotes because i feel that they have a place in the ecosystem right and uh you know sure. just like we need deer we need coyotes to clean up and you know keep the population in check but um this year on my main hunting farm i noticed a huge increase of coyote activity and i had a trail camera this summer on a terrace where i have a mineral lick in the middle of a field where i get some really good uh, deer hunting or uh, some velvet pictures for whitetails those pictures all but dried up and all I got was coyotes 
And I think there was, and I'm not sure of what the average litter size is, but there was a mother coyote and I want to say four, if not five pups with her uh, this mm-hmm. year. So uh, huge, like just that field alone got a ton of, uh, you know, coyote pressure on it. And then the rest of the farm, I remember having a, a picture in early November, late October of this year with six mature or bigger than pup sized coyotes on it so i instantly say what do i need to do to get rid of them right and trapping and calling them are what we're going to talk about today so the first question i have for you is from a, a a very high level how different is trapping for coyotes as opposed to trapping for other varmints like raccoons and possums and everything else uh, it's, it's different yet the same, I guess I would say, um, it is more difficult. They're, they're probably, I mean, they're the most difficult animal out there. We have to trap in Iowa. I would, I would say, um, you know, there's some guys that are, that are very, very good at it and, and they can go out and, and hit them pretty hard. Uh, but people don't put up near the numbers in Iowa of, of coyotes. They do say coon or, or other more commonly trapped animals, um, just from, basic standpoints of the sets are more elaborate to make. I guess I would call them. They are a little more difficult. You have to worry about your scent control and, and then just populations. I mean, even when areas where you think there's a lot of coyotes, you know, you think of how many coon there may be in that area or something like that. And there's, yeah. uh, you know, quite a population difference, you know, um, the holding capacity of the land for, for coyotes is as great as some other animals. And when they do get to be overpopulated, uh, when they get very overpopulated, Mother Nature tends to step in with mange or parvo or something of that nature and, and takes care of them pretty quick. Uh, but yeah, they're 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 a difficult animal to trap. And it's just be- uh, is it just because their intelligence level is a little bit higher than the rest of the animals and they have uh, better defense mechanisms, or is it just because of another reason? You know, and I don't even know if I'd call it their intelligence. They're they're wary. Yeah. Um, if you, if they have a bad experience with something, getting in, in the same situation again is difficult. Okay. Um, so if, if, if they have, if they have a bad experience with something, if you set a trap and it, uh, it snaps in their face or they dig down and they find, you know, they, they scratch something up that's not natural or they, uh, they have some kind of a bad experience with that, getting them into that experience, that, that same similar situation again is going to be very difficult. Um, and obviously, you know, you have the, the human odor factor, which is, is and isn't a factor, I guess I'll say. It's, uh, you know, you see some people that get really get crazy with the scent control. And I mean, and I guess what I say on that, a coyote knows you've been there. Yeah. Uh, they're a dog. They smell like a dog. They, they, they know you have been there. No matter how many, many precautions you want to take as far as your scent, that coyote knows you have been there. Um the trick is to minimize it, uh, make it seem older. Coyotes smell people all the time. You know, every, they smell farmers out checking their fence. They smell farmers checking their fields or their, their cattle, whatever. Um, so human sense, not a, they don't smell, smell a human and, and run for the hills, but, um, you know, they can tell if that smells old, if that smells, if they smell, obviously when you're out deer hunting, if a, if a coyote's coming down, they smell you, they run away. 
Now, if you walked through there two days ago, they might smell you were there yet, but it's not going to be as alarming. It's not as strong as a strong or fresh of an odor. So, um, the trick is just to kind of minimize it and, uh, and hopefully, you know, you won't scare them too much. Gotcha. So have you, have you had experiences in the past where, you know, you set a set and a coyote becomes educated in that, in that set, whether, uh, he smells human odor or it goes off and doesn't trap him or whatever, then he just avoids that area. I mean, he stays in the area, but just avoids that. I mean, do you feel that they that they learn and they're able to remember uh, those types of scenarios? Yeah, I think they 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 they're wary. Like I said, I I don't know how much I call it intelligence or wariness. And uh, and it's the same with there's there's a couple other animals I would classify as that beavers are one um, when they have a bad situation with something they become alert to that, that similar kind of a situation where they will, you know, coyotes, it might be if they dug you up or if you pinched a toenail off them or they pulled out of your trap or, you know, coyotes are notoriously hard on traps. I mean, you, you know, that's, that's something you don't want to skimp on junky equipment because they're, they're hard on things. They're a powerful animal. And uh, if they were, to, if you're to pinch them a little bit and they get away or something, you know, then it's going to be a case of, well, they might be, you know, digging your sets up or they might be just coming behind it and peeing on it or pooping five feet from your set. Just, just kind of so you know, know they're there, but they don't, uh, they don't work your set how you would like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, snow is a great indicator. And I've always told people this, um, you want to learn about coyotes, watch, watch what they do when you get a, a fresh skip of snow on the ground, because you can see not only their habits and what they do, but they'll show you every one of your mistakes too. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot more coyote snaring than I do uh, dirt trapping. And they'll show you every one of their, your mistakes. If they're coming down a trail and suddenly they stop on the trail and move around where you've been, well, you did something wrong there. They're either seeing something you're doing or they're smelling something you're doing. And it's time to change up what you're doing. Okay. So uh, snow, snow is a great educator. Okay. Now you mentioned scent control. Does, is that similar to like accessing a tree stand? Uh, I mean, obviously, when you're setting the trap, you want to you want to be as scent free as possible. But even walking to that set, is there a specific route that you have to take to it, or is that not as important? No, I, I wouldn't say that. Um, not when I'm trapping. When I'm calling, I have an approach almost similar to getting it. You know, a very a very stealthy approach getting into where I'm going to call at. But as far as trapping not so much um it's more scent control at the set itself because like i said they're going to smell you've been there they're going to come across your track they're going to come across something you've touched and they're going to know you've been in the area um it's keeping things to a minimum so it dissipates as quickly as possible it gets to be an old of a scent as quick as possible that's what's key gotcha okay so I was talking to uh, a guy who does some land management some habitat improvement uh type uh work and he pretty much told me that if you want to manage coyotes and get them off your farm, and, and I'm talking specifically for uh, deer, right, that it's a it's a 12-month-a-year thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. would, you, would you say that if you want to reduce numbers of coyotes uh, on a farm, you have to do it every single year, all year round, like trap and shoot them, everything? 
it's a it's a valid statement i mean it's uh and i'm not sure how how many acres your hunting property is but uh you know issues we could have and like in, in my area in particular we have a lot of farm ground flat farm ground with a, a large timbered river valley running through it and now if i'm up on a certain farm you know i can i can stack the coyotes up on a certain farm but they're going to move right back in out of the river valley or you know when the when the pups disperse you know when the families groups disperse you know later in the year after the pups are adults and everything i mean I can, I can, I can kill as many coyotes as I want there, but they're going to, if the habitat's right, they're going to move right back in on me. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, there was a study done out West and I don't recall where, um, but they were saying in order to actually have an impact on a coyote population, you know, and it was a large area that the study was done on, you have to kill, I think it was like 70 by 70 some percent of the coyotes for, and I don't recall how many years, X amount of years running in order to actually make a dent in the population. Wow. Uh, they're a very, uh, they're a very adaptable animal. And, and like I said, it, when it's smaller properties, a person is on such as Iowa, you know, we're not talking the huge parcels like you have out West. Uh, let's say I've got a section of ground and there's four different landowners here and I can trap two of those, two of those areas. Uh, you know, that leaves two of those areas that are still untouched by me. There's going to be coyotes on. That means there's coyotes moving from the next section over. And, and anybody who has done any kind of coyote hunting, you know, uh, get into the guys that have the groups that go out and chase them around, they know, or, or the guys that stalk the coyotes in the wintertime stalk them, um, you know, you know, a coyote will move across several sections in the course of a night. So um, in our smaller picture, I guess, we have here in Iowa of trying to control them on a certain property, that becomes very difficult very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. So what would you say is a more efficient method of killing them, calling or trapping? Well, um, there's a learning curve to both. Yeah. Uh, somewhat steep learning curve to both. Um, I think you've got to do both. If you're serious about wanting to, to, to knock those coyote numbers back, I think that you know the 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 plus obviously with trapping is when you set those traps they're out there working 24 7 right for the time you have them out there whereas calling um calling is a great way to go out and kill some coyotes and it's a lot of fun to do but there is a uh, uh some semblance of of being in the right place at the right time and luck just like with any other kind of hunting too uh you know if you have a, a windy day or a day where the wind's in the wrong direction or you know it's snowing or raining or whatever the case may be someday uh and you have a bad day no coyotes got killed that day whereas the traps are always working so yeah um as far as pure efficiency i would say probably the traps and snares gotcha okay so does iowa have any set times that you can trap coyotes or call them in and, and kill them or is that a restricted season as far as trapping, uh, trapping season runs just like the general trapping season runs. So it runs from 8 a.m. on the first Saturday of November until the last day of January. Gotcha. So trapping season for coyotes actually ends tomorrow. Okay. Um, whereas coyote hunting, you can shoot coyotes all year round. Okay. They're, they're a, a pest, they're a varmint. So as long as you have a hunting license, you can shoot them all year round, but you can only trap them during uh, the general trapping season. Okay. All right. Makes sense. All right. Now let's get into the trapping 
portion of it uh, because that's uh, you know we're we're just coming out of it right and uh, mm-hmm. what would you say for someone who's experienced like yourself is an easier method trapping or snaring? Uh, in my opinion, snaring is far easier than trapping. Okay, that's just and I'm a I'm a snare guy, which is probably part of the reason I say that, but also. Uh, there's not quite as much of a learning curve and not quite as much equipment involved. Okay. So let's break down, um, as far, from an equipment standpoint, let's say a guy like me, uh, I, I don't have any snares. I'm new to this. What do I need to snare coyotes? Okay. Uh, well, I'm a snare manufacturer. So I would, uh, if you were a new guy and you were going to want to go out and snare some coyotes, uh, I would probably sell you a five or six foot long uh, snare. It would have a uh, a cam lock, probably a tooth cam lock type lock on it. Um, obviously, a snare and I would have to have the deer stop on it, so that would be on there. Have a swivel on the end of it. Um, like I said, probably about a six foot length, five to six foot length. Um, as far as a loop style, there's a couple different kinds of loop styles you can get. You can get a fully loaded loop, which is a very round loop. And when something hits the bottom of that loop, it tends to almost snap shut, throw itself shut. And there's a teardrop shaped loop. Um, I also sell one that's somewhat in the middle of that. It's got a, what I call modified teardrops. It's got a very light load in it. Uh, that's, that's the type of snare I would probably sell uh, to you as a beginner. Um, you need something to support your snare. Uh, generally something that runs off of a uh, nine gauge annealed wire. Um, to hold the loop in place and a staking system of some kind, be it a, a rebar stake or a, a cable stake or something of that nature. Okay. So then from an application standpoint, where are you placing these snares? And I guess walk, walk us into a scenario of where you're placing a snare and how you're placing it. Okay. Um, what I'm looking for is areas where the coyotes are obviously traveling on nightly travels or hunting. Um, pinch points coming out of timber in the field are great. Um, you know, in Iowa, you can snare road ditches as long as you're the proper distance, 200 yards from a residence. Um, half mile fence lines as they cross the road. Those are good ones. You know, they run those half mile fence lines, hunting the fence lines. Um, how I'm going to set that snare is when I find a trail that's a coyote trail, or a trail is used by coyotes. Um, I will stake my snare down next to the trail and I'll drive in a support wire or I'll have it attached to my stake, one of the two. And there's a, a collar on a snare, a little support collar. It looks like a little um, piece of coil wire. And my number nine wire will fit snugly into that and hold my snare in place. So I'll open my loop until I have a loop that is depending on, you know, where I'm setting it. If I'm close to water uh, in Iowa, I can set up to an 11-inch diameter loop. If I'm further than 30 yards from water, it has to be an 8-inch diameter max loop. And uh, I'm going to set that loop so it's perpendicular to the trail, and it's about 11 to 12 inches high. Uh, I'm going to try to pick a spot in the trail where it narrows down, where it's brushed in so it narrows down, not only to somewhat camouflage my snare, to make it look like there's not something just sitting in the middle of the trail to make it look like it is uh, 
somewhat broken up, but also because that funnels my animal down there. It's, it's, a uh, you have to make sure you're getting the animal's head where you want it, obviously to go through the loop. Right. So are you, are you ever manipulating the environment? Let's say like blocking off additional parts of a, a fence row or a, a wider open spot by putting some branches or I don't know, like a bale of hay or something there to, to really get them to funnel down tight. You can do that with some other animals. Coyotes, coyotes will not be funneled. They don't, they don't like that. They, uh, they don't like to be crowded, I guess I'd say. Right. Now as much as about as much as about as much uh, guiding as I would do with coyotes is if I have a trail they're using, let's say, let's say I'm, a, I'm, I'm snaring on a cow path through a pasture. Now, obviously, I'm not going to put that snare there if there's any cattle in the, in, the, in the pasture. But in the middle of the winter, if there's no cattle in the pasture, and I have permission to trap there, uh, and I have coyotes that are working down this cow path, which is a very common place where they travel. Uh, but it's a little bit wider than my liking. Uh, I'll take a screwdriver or uh, a thin, sharp object, you know, shove it in and poke a couple holes in the ground, and I'll find a couple of larger weed stalks and stick them in there. Just to somewhat, you don't, it doesn't take much guiding. And the more you block them down, uh, the more nervous they get. So uh, subtlety is your friend right. in that in that kind of a scenario. Um, but but it does work. Right. And you're hoping by chance these they're they're walking down the path and their head is going their head is going through the snare and it's catching their head or their paw. No, don't, you can't. Uh, Every snare in Iowa has to have a deer saw. So that snare will only close to a, 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 it won't close any smaller than a diameter of two and a half, two and a half inches. Okay. So like there'll be a very small nut and it'll be crimped on the cable. Gotcha. That way if a deer was to come through and kick that, a deer could pull their foot out of it. Gotcha. So it wouldn't be catching deer by the foot. Okay. Um, so what it, what it catches them is it catches them around the neck of the body. Gotcha. Uh, generally with coyotes, when you have set, like I described, you're catching them around the neck. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And then are you using any types of attractants or scents or, or bait in a scenario like this, or is this purely a get them moving through the area? I'll tell you most, most coyote scenarios, most snaring situations in general are just, uh, that's kind of the beauty of them is they don't have to be hungry or curious or anything to come through there. Uh, you are just, putting your equipment where they're moving you're they're going about their business when you're catching them yeah. now the only thing i shouldn't say the only but one of the only things that i do use an attractant with sometimes is coyote and that's because i know for instance if i have an area where there's a, a, a timber draw coming out and i know there's a few different trails they're using and i want to pull them to one area or another uh, i'll take some some loud skunky call lure or some beaver caster type lure, uh, something that's allowed and it's going to get a polar attention yeah. and I'll put it up high in a couple spots, uh, around there on some, some branches, some more hanging branches, something high up off the ground. Um, you know, I'll put it in a couple of spots so they have to move around and look for it a little bit. If I have some trails coming through those areas, I'll, I'll doctor a few areas up like that, uh, to get them moving down the trails, to get them picking their way down the trails, looking for the source of that smell. Gotcha. So that, that has worked for me in the past. Okay. So, so, do do coyotes notice that, or are they just like da 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 da? And you know, obviously the snare is there, and it's it's 
as scent free as humanly possible when, when you set it, but do they see that and they, do they become aware of it? Because I, just from my experience watching coyotes and watching them move through the timber and you said it yourself, they're a weary animal. I would, I would assume they would notice that. The snare? Yeah. Snares are, I won't say they don't ever get noticed because, you know, I, like I said, snow is a great teacher and I've seen times before where I think, well, I didn't have this one at the right angle or something where a coyote will come up and they'll stop right out the snare. Right. So obviously they've noticed it. Most of the time they do not. Uh, like I said, I try to pick, I try to pick and choose my, my hot spots on the trail. Yep. Uh, a slight bend in the trail is a great spot because you have, when you're looking from either direction, it's going to be somewhat camouflage what's there. Uh, a narrow spot where it maybe brushes in a little bit where the grass gets a little bit closer in uh, and they don't notice it then. You know, that that's, that's the spots that I'm looking for. Uh, I don't want something where, like, let's say it's going uphill where the snare is sitting so the snare is somewhat skyline because obviously uh, a round shape is an odd shape in nature. And if something's going up and they see something like that and they can see the outline of it, that, that, that I think would cause uh, enough for a pause and a sniff probably. Right. Um, but, you know, I want it, I want to put it somewhere so that it has as much blending, as much natural blending without me having to add much as possible. Like I said, I'll, I'll sure throw a weed stalk or stem in there every now and again, but I want to be very cautious with that because the more other animals, you can get away with that. If I want to block coon down, if I want to block beaver down, if I want to block just about anything else down, I can completely get away with it. Uh, coyotes, not so much. They don't, they don't care to be funneled. Gotcha. All right. Now, when it comes to snaring, uh, talk a little bit about the learning curve that you mentioned earlier. What are some things that a lot of guys do wrong when they're trying to sna- use a snare to catch coyotes? Uh, a lot of a lot of errors that are made by beginners are first off picking the wrong snare. Um, the snares I generally use are a tightly locking snare. Now that doesn't mean your coyotes are going to be dead in the snare. That's not, you know, that's that's not the case. If you're trying to to kill coyotes in a snare, a longer snare, where they run out and hit the end of it, obviously, or tangle up on something would be the way to go. Uh, but oftentimes they're going to be alive in the snare. Um, if someone's using a relaxing lock snare, they're generally always going to be alive in the snare. Which sometimes, the longer they're there, uh, they'll chew. Um, it's not uncommon for coyotes to chew the snare in half. And you're talking a 332nd piece of cable or a 564th piece of cable. Um, you know, you get a lot of a lot of guys complain about chewing issues. Um, a lot of guys tend to have issues with the height, uh, the staking. You know, a coyote's a powerful animal. You know, you, you have to stake them in good. If you don't stake them in good, uh, they're not going to be there when you get there. Um, yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of different small errors that that people make um you know i've seen times before guys want to stick a a coyote snare and it's right out in the open and it's the tallest thing out there and you know that'll work with coons you know i mean you could i could have a a a mowed ditch and i could put a snare right out in the center of it and the coon's gonna walk right through it a coyote won't yeah so okay those are some pretty common things and other than that it's just locations you know finding the right locations finding the locations the coyotes are using um and there's there's a learning curve, obviously, with that as far as as far as new guys, right? Just you know, the more you, you do it, 
especially on, on a, a single piece of property, the more you do it, you'll have success in certain spots over and over again. Um, do you have spots like that where it's almost automatic if you if you set a snare out for you know X number of days, it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna produce. There's some spots that are pretty well slam dunk every year. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a uh, a couple I can think of right offhand. One of them, uh, there's two large sections of timber. Um, one comes right up to the edge of the road on one side, and there's there's a draw that runs right up to the road. And then on the other side of the road, there's an open field for probably, I suppose, just 300 yards across the field, and then another large section of timber there. So obviously the coyotes, they don't like to be out in the open any more than they, they uh, have to. They're used to farmers and everybody else coming down the road shooting at them. So uh, they want to follow that pinch point of that big timber up to the road as close as they can before they cross and have to cross the open field to get over the other timber. Right. So uh, that's that's a pretty automatic spot. That's always been a good, a good place. Um, I obviously do a lot of trapping early in the season. Uh, I'll have places. I've got places where the, the farmers have given me permission to take on uh, dump carcass piles. Obviously I'm skinning my skinning my animals or whatnot, or, or after deer season, even take my, my deer scraps and deer bones and everything and uh, put them out in some areas. And I usually try to find an area with where it's brushy and there's some trails coming through and I'll, I'll put the, the carcasses out in the brush and let them start hitting the carcasses for a while. And once I know they're using the trails uh, and I, we have to set back 20 feet at least from a, a exposed bait like that, but I'll go back in the brush aways and, and set up some trails coming into that, that carcass pile. There's an area where I'll, I'll, you know, if even when I have them coming to the carcass pile already, I might sweeten the deal up by putting a little bit of skunk lure or something on there to just, to you know, pique their interest a little bit more as they're coming in. Right. Um, those places are pretty, pretty good places, especially late in the winter uh, when it gets, starts getting into January and it's cold and they're hungry. Um, and I've got a couple other places where you have half mile fence lines running from timber to timber, you know, places like that. Uh, not only are they hunting that, that, that brushy fence line uh, all the way across to the next timber, but also, like I said before, they don't like to be exposed out in the open as much. So, uh, especially if they're crossing in the, during daylight hours, they're going to, they're going to run that little finger down to their, they're as, as hidden as possible as they're coming across. Right. Right. Okay. Now transitioning from, snaring to trapping um let's just I'll, I'll get into the gear after i ask this this question and that is from a location standpoint are the locations any different when you're trapping versus snaring yeah uh yeah they are yeah reason being um i have to have a trail to funnel my animal down in when i'm snaring it's got to be somewhere he's, he's crossing during his, his path. Um, I can't set a snare out in an open field, but I can, I can sure dirt trap him out there, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that, that's, that's the main difference right there. Okay. All right. So when it comes to, I guess what I'm, I, I guess the question is you or the statement is you have a ton more option when it comes to trapping, as far as locations is concerned, because at, with trapping, you're trying to use scent or a lure to get them to come in and activate the trap, correct? Yes. Okay. All right. So yeah. let's talk, let's talk about a trapping setup uh, first and we'll talk about the gear, uh, what you would recommend, uh, what you use when you trap and then just kind of go right into the, the setup and how you are setting up this trap. 
Okay. Um, as far as traps on coyotes, uh, I would say don't go cheap. Like I said, coyotes are very hard on traps, and they're a, they're a, they're an animal where, like I said before, you don't want to give them too many chances because you might if, if you have a chance at them and you miss that chance, you might not ever get that chance again. Right. And you might have just educated that coyote, which makes it a very difficult animal. So don't skimp on equipment. Um, there's a lot of different, like I talked about the last time, there's a lot of different brands of traps out there. Um, you can somewhat go with a good cheap model when you're coon trapping or something like that. I would not say that with coyote. Um, there's a, I have a couple different kinds of coyote traps that I use. I've got uh, some Bridger number twos. They're, they're a good coyote trap. Uh, also, the Bridger number three is a good coyote trap. Um, I think, my opinion, the best coyote trap going right now is uh, uh, Minnesota brand, the MB550. Uh, that is an excellent coyote trap. And what makes it an excellent trap? Uh, it's got a good wide jaw, strong spring. Uh, it's a heavily built trap. Uh, they're not going to damage that trap at all. Uh, the dog in the trap, like the trigger area on the trap, is made from uh, hardened, rounded stock, so they can't chew it. Uh, they tend to like to do the chew on the, the dog of the trap, and a lot of times they'll ruin a, a lesser-built trap. Um, and it's got a, an offset jaw, the ones I use. Um, so actually, it's good for the animal comfort, too, once you get that animal in there. Uh, it's not something that's you know really cutting off blood flow badly on them or, or, or injuring the foot. I mean, sometimes you pull the foot out, and the foot looks fine. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a very solid, well-built trap, very strong trap. And, uh, I tell you, it's the choice of, of a lot of people that catch a whole lot more coyotes than I do. So, um, that's, that's, that's something obviously I pay attention to. If there's somebody that I know that really knows their stuff and that's what they're using, that's probably a good place to start. All right, cool. Now location, approach, setup, all that stuff. Okay. Um, locations. You know, here's here's a good story would be a few years ago. I remember we had kind of a harsh winter up here and we had a lot of snow. Yep. And I had some some buddies that were out doing some coyote hunting and they were, they were out with their trucks, you know, and, and they were out looking around for them. They said every, every waterway they drove down, you know, that they think there'd be some pheasants in there. They'd kick a couple pheasants out and they kicked two or three coyotes out too. And you got to think of places where those coyotes are hunting for food. Uh, creek lines, brushy creek lines, waterways, brushy fence lines. Um, if you have timber there, obviously they're a lot of times they're moving out of the timber into the fields at night. So look at the fence lines, the waterways, any of the edges they might be following out, uh, following out to, to feed, you know, to look for food in the, in the fields at night, look for things to hunt. Um, corner posts, you get out, you know, obviously they like to stay as far away from us as they can. You get in some of them corner posts where your fences meet out in the center of the section, the four-way corners out in the center of the section. Those are great spots. They like edges. They follow those fence lines down. They follow those waterways down, timber edges, um, all good places. Okay, perfect. Now, is there any any tips or tricks that make that loca- like those specific locations better? Or uh, is there a, a lure or a scent that you you use that works better, in your opinion, than other scents and lures? Well, when you're looking for your location, look for sign. I mean, when you're out, you're going to be out, obviously, checking these fields. 
look for you want to look for tracks you want to look for scat i mean the coyotes are out there they're they're moving around they're leaving tracks everywhere they go uh you know they're 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 crapping out in the field edges along with their hunting a lot of times you're going to find places where obviously they're 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 frequenting uh, those are a good place for a, a setup or location um if you want to talk sets just a, a simple dirt hole set um get yourself a backing like the even the if you're, if you're a, a dirt edge of a field where it transitions into grass that's a good spot uh, i usually don't like to have a backing that's really really tall but you know a lower grass backing uh i'll dig a hole down in the ground probably a little shorter than a 45 degree angle um you can dig it with a, a narrow trowel if you like i have a, an actual auger that's a two inch auger um that fits in a cordless drill which makes it a lot simpler um so i'll drill my hole down probably about a foot in the dirt and that's my bait hole uh i'll come back i want my trap to be about eight inches back straight back from that hole some guys like to set them off one side or another i'll just bring mine straight back um dig a trap bed because you want that trap to sit down below the surface so it's by the time you blend it all out you don't want it to look like there's anything out there you don't want it to be you know there's there's stubble and there's there's you know dust from the grass all the way down the edge and then you have one area out in front of this this mysterious hole that has showed up today that is is perfectly flat and and grassless and, and debrisless uh, you want to blend it in and make it look like everything else coyotes are once again they're a very wary animal and they know they know what things look like out in their territory so you want to make it look as natural as you can um you know back in the day when there was a lot of fox around and i was fox trapping now you'd, you'd have your dirt pattern out in front of your hole. You you want, you know, a, a dirt pattern out in front of it. Coyotes, not so much. You want it to be blended. Um, so anyway, I'll dig my trap bed two and a half, three inches deep. Um, I'll stake right down to the center of the trap bed, and I'll use either a rebar stake or I'll use a, a cable stake, a disposable, which I prefer because they're, they have great holding power. Uh, I'll get a little bit of loose dirt at the bottom, and I'll, I'll set my trap where I want it. Um, I'll put some kind of a cover over the pan of my trap. I don't want a lot of dirt packing under the pan of my trap. So I'll put some kind of a cover there. Um, you can use a screen material. You can use uh, a piece of wax paper crinkled up so the, the crinkles out of it, I guess I'd say. So it, it manipulates better. You can put that on there. You can use a coffee filter, uh, anything of that nature. Put that down over your trap. Tuck it in tightly so it's not not bloused up over it. Um, then I'm going to start packing dirt in around the edge of my trap and I'm going to get that trap packed in solidly. So when I push on the corners of that trap, it's not rocking. It's not moving. If your trap rocks and moves in the bed, if it's not solid and an animal comes up and steps on a jaw, steps on a, a spring lever and that, and that trap rocks, it's going to start digging and, and messing around with that area and you're not going to get to catch you one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, after, after I have that trap packed in solidly, uh, I'll take a, a, a dirt sifter and I'll sift some, some, dry dirt over the top of it, pack the edges down good again, brush off the top a little bit so I have it just a you know, half-inch covering of dirt over my trap. And then I'll take my sifter again and I'll run some dust through it, like around the area, some grass or some bean silk or whatever it may be, and just kind of blend the area in as best I can and make it look natural. Uh, then I'll generally take whatever I'm using for a bait and put some down the hole and uh, maybe a little bit of a on my backing my grass backing there maybe a little squirt of urine on the backing and and uh i'm pretty well set um as far as scent control on a set like that 
when I'm handling my trap, I don't want my human scent on the trap. Like I said, they're going to know you've been there anyway. Uh, I don't go crazy. I don't have rubber gloves from head to toe or anything like that. I'll use a pair of clean leather gloves or clean cotton gloves when I'm setting my traps, when I'm handling my trap and bedding my trap. And then after that, I'll take those off. And I usually, you can bait with a, a, a bare hand if you wanted to. I usually don't do that. I usually have a rubber, a rubber glove in there that I stick in there. And that's my bait glove that I do all my baiting with. Okay. So when it comes to, uh, trapping coyotes, then like same as snaring, what are, what are people doing wrong that, you know, if you took a little extra time to do this or you, you changed the way you did that, that would, uh, you know, they're making a mistake. It may be simple. If you fix it, you're going to, you're going to see a little bit more success. Well, um, you know, boy, I've got a friend that's a good guy out trapper, John Lenz. Boy, he'd be all over that question, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I would say that uh, things people do wrong the most are going to be blending your, your set. Um, as far as not blending your set, you might have a big dirt pattern out there that doesn't look natural to a coyote. Uh, I would say not bedding your trap properly. That's how people get dug up constantly. You know, you have a lot of people that have a lot of digging problems. And it's going to be one or two things. It's either going to be a scent control issue. They're, if they're, you know, touching, if they're baiting with the same gloves they're trying to bed their trap with, they're getting some of that bait smell down there possibly, and they're getting dug up. Or it's a, a bedding issue that, you know, their trap is not bedded solidly, and that's why they're getting dug up. Um, and then past that, uh, location. You know, a lot of people are going out and putting a lot of effort just in putting traps in the wrong places. Yeah, yeah. So let's see, I'm trying to think of another trapping question because like I want to, like just me personally, I want to do trapping, but from a time standpoint, I feel like I would be, I would just do better at trying to call them in, right? If you had to choose between calling and trapping, um, do you feel, and let's say, leave snaring out of it because it sounds like you're really successful with with snaring uh do you think a, a guy would be more successful as as a beginner to sit and call or try trapping you know um it's hard to say because of the fact that it's like i said there's a learning curve to both um but that same guy is going to have potentially a lot more money invested in your gear trapping than you would to try to go out and call some coyotes. Um, especially if you're a beginner, if you're a beginner, you're going to, you know, you're going to sink a good chunk of change into, into buying traps and, and sifters and, and trowels and equipment and baits and lures and all that for trapping. Whereas, you know, you could potentially go and buy a howler and a, and a, a good distress call and, you know, a camouflage outfit and go sit out with a rifle and, and have some success right away. Gotcha. All right. So I told you about this field earlier where I saw a big uptick in coyote activity. And in this terrace, there's actually a den. Do you know, do they use their dens all year around? Uh, not always. I mean, even in the summertime, summertime coyotes are, I mean, coons, a lot of those different types of animals when the crops are up, uh, 
they don't always go underground. Maybe when you get in bad weather, but a lot of times they'll they'll stay right out in the fields at night, or well, I should say in the daytime. But uh, yeah, that's real common for them to not even use the dens that time of year when it's not you know extreme weather or pupping time of year. Uh, it's not uncommon for them just to lay out in the fence line or just to lay out in the field. Okay. So then, if you were to find a den. Uh, does that hold any validity of where you're setting a snare or a trap? I mean, it tells me they're in the area. Um, I don't, I don't specifically trap at the den. Um, like I said, it kind of tells me they're in the area and then there's a lot of dens that you'll see that, that might look like they're getting used at certain times of year, but, um, obviously are, are nobody's home when, when I want to be out there, but, um, and, that might be something where I would almost hate to, let's say I'm out trapping or snaring. I'd almost hate to set too close to the den because when I'm out doing my thing and I'm out getting things set up and I'm pounding stakes and whatnot, I really don't want to make them think there's something bad happening right outside their den where they feel safe and make them, make them nervous. That, that, that could cause some, um, higher than usual level of anxiety with them. You know, they might really be checking things out when they come out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Now trans, uh, transitioning into calling, you know, trying to uh, kill a coyote from calling them into you. Um, I guess just tell us what you like to do, uh, first. Okay. Um, well, I, in my area of Iowa up here anyway, um, it's not, we don't have a lot of cover, I guess I would say. We have some CRP, we have some brushy fence lines, we have, and then we have the river valley where most of our timber is. And that's where I prefer to call. Um, I don't like getting way out in the open. Um, you know, if we lived in South Dakota or Nebraska or somewhere where there was, is not a road every mile, and two or three houses on a section, that would probably be a different story. But uh, in my, my part of the world up here, coyotes generally don't like to go out in the open in the daytime. Uh, they certainly don't like to, to poke their nose out when they don't have to. And pulling them across any large portion of open ground in the daytime hours is going to be difficult in my experience. Um, so what I like to do is get in closer to timber closer to, you know, maybe some draws coming out of some, or, or some big draws back in the middle of a, a section or, or, uh, some, some draws coming out of some timber. I have always had my best luck, uh, the first few hours in the morning. Um, I've killed coyotes later in the afternoon before and, and right before dark and everything. But, uh, in my opinion, the golden hours are about your first three hours of daylight today. Um, what I like to do is wherever I think, Obviously, I got to check my wind to see what spots I can hunt. Um, I think people call a lot more coyotes in than they ever know they do. Um, coyotes will not always, but mostly, they're going to circle in from the downwind side when they come in. Uh, they're a wary animal, and they live and die by their noses. So in my experience, they'll circle in from the downwind. Uh, what I like to try to do is call cross somewhat crosswind so I can see the downwind side. Or if I have a buddy with me, I'll make sure I put him, you know, 60, 70 yards downwind of me so he can kind of cover that end. And they, it seems like they usually end up getting the shooting down there. But, um, 
and I'll usually start out with some some howls and uh, and then move in some duress, uh, some distress, and then end with some howls or some some pup distress or something of that nature. Um, anybody that's seen like Randy Anderson videos or anything like that, um, I I watch a lot of his stuff and I've been in a couple of his seminars and uh, you know it it works. So I do a lot of that, that gotcha. kind of thing. So if possible, hunt with a buddy and have him basically flank you. It, it definitely helps. But yeah. whatever whatever you do, if you're hunting by yourself, you want to make sure you can see the downwind side. Um, I have probably called in more coyotes with mouth calls than I have electronic, but I do have a Fox Pro, which is a really great unit, and I do use it a lot because it's handy. When I'm by myself, I can set that out and I can cover my own downwind. And, and so that's nice. Um, I, I still think mouth calls sound better. Right. Uh, but you know, you have, you have to be able to see your downwind then because they're going to be coming to downwind the source of the sound and they can pin, you know, a coyote has fantastic hearing. They can pinpoint that sound and they're going to pinpoint that sound. And then they're going to be working in to the downwind side of that sound. Right. Uh, usually not always, but usually okay. I've had multiple times when I've had coyotes. Uh, I can think of just a couple of years ago when, uh, me and a, a buddy were out calling and it was the first set of the morning. It's the, which is in my opinion, always the best set of the morning usually. And, uh, we were calling, a uh, it was kind of a corner out in the middle of the middle of a section. And there was two pieces of timber and there was a, like a T fence line, and we were sitting right at the tee and there was a piece of timber to our, our right and a piece of timber to our left. And the wind was blowing from right to left. So I sent him downwind 60 yards or so to set up in the fence line. And I had an electronic caller out that time and a decoy. And they were out in front of me, probably 50 yards. And we did some howling and it just started on some distress and two coyotes showed up to my right out of that piece of timber and they just poked their heads out and I could see them looking and they were looking at the decoy and they were looking things over and they disappeared. And I thought, okay, they're going to be trying to circle downwind. <clears throat> and it wasn't five minutes later and bang, I hear a shot down there. And that's exactly what they did. They made a wide circle down and were coming in from the downwind side when he nice. shot them. Nice. All right. So question for you. I've seen a lot of these little devices that guys are using to, uh, like the electronic calls, how much, mm -hmm. how much do those electronic calls cost? Uh, you know, there's some that are pretty cheap. There's some that are within 150 bucks, I suppose, but they're, I, I doubt their, uh, the sound quality and I doubt the, the, um, you know, battery life and the sound, the sound quality on a lot of them. It, it can't be very good. Okay. Um, and I like one with a remote control. I want to be able to control that thing. I don't want something that I can just, you know, some of the older callers, you sit out there and turn it on and it just runs and I don't care for that. Um, I think the Fox Pro I have was somewhere between 300 to $400. Okay. And they get more expensive than that even. I mean, there's guys that, I, you know, I know Fox Pro's got models that are six or $700 now, I believe. But uh, the one that I've got in the three, $400 range, it works great. I mean, I call, you know, I call coyotes with it and i call coons with it you know i mean it works for a lot of stuff gotcha what's your experience with 
decoys. Like I know they have those little, uh, I don't even know what they're called, but it looks like a squirrel tail or a rabbit tail, rabbit mm-hmm. fur that just kind of shakes there with a stick. It, uh, I've had, I always had good luck with decoys and I've, I mean, well, to date myself here, I started calling when I was in probably about a freshman in high school, which would have been 1988 and didn't have much success back then. Cause I really didn't know what I was doing, but I kept at it. And, and so I've tried a lot of things that have come out over the years and, uh, and I've always been big on prey type decoys. Now I know they've got decoys that are like a, a coyote sized decoy and everything. And I, I, you know, I suppose if you had a realistic enough one that would work. Um, but I've, I've had good luck having, having a, a prey type decoy out there. Um, I've had a couple different models over the years that they don't make anymore, but, uh, the one I'm currently using is, a made by Mojo and it looks like a little fuzzy ball that has your motor in it. And it's got kind of a, a long spring come out of it with a little tassel of fur on top of it. And, and you can set it intermittently. So every few seconds it flops around a little bit like a bird or like something caught in a wire and then it'll stop and then it'll flop around a little more. And it'll do that till you shut it off. And I mean, it's a pretty good little unit, especially when you're using an electronic collar. If you set it out in the grass, this this thing is spinning and flopping out there, and it it gives them something to focus on where the sound is coming from. Yeah. And uh, it, it's I, I've you know I've killed quite a few coyotes over it in the past. I mean, so they they work. Uh, this like I said, it gives them something to focus on. I was sitting in a several years back. I was um, one thing I'll I'll bring up with this story on Dell as well, but. Uh, in a minute here, but I was sitting in a draw and I had a, a decoy out and I was mouth calling that time, but I had the decoy sitting on the draw about only about 30 yards in front of me. And I started off soft on a, on a distress call and it was in late November. And I just, just a couple soft squeaks right away. And I, you know, just, just to get things going, I don't like to start out loud in case you have something close. I don't want to blow them out with too much noise right away, too much volume. And, excuse me. And, um, and all of a sudden, just like that, within 20 seconds here, I've got three coyotes around that thing and they're looking at it and sniffing it. And they all, you know, they sniffed it. They were close enough. They were sniffing it. They got kind of nervous. And they started looking around and, and I shot one of them and, and I was in fairly heavy cover in the draw. So I shot one of them and the other, others were gone before I could get, get another one. But, uh, that was, an earlier in the year hunt. Um, it happened that year that I, I was bow hunting and I shot my deer early. And, uh, so I didn't have any deer hunt to do and it was mid November. And so I went out calling, uh, that time of year, you get a lot of the younger coyotes, the pups of the year that are, they're mature coyotes. I mean, they're, they're a mature coyote by then, but you think about it, they're not very good hunters at that time of year yet. They, they just got kicked loose from mom not too long before then. Uh, they're not very smart. They haven't had those bad experiences. Uh, they're probably a little hungrier because they're not spectacular hunters yet. So, uh, and you haven't had deer season yet. And that's a big kicker during deer season. You have all these people out in the woods, with shotguns and they're shooting at everything that, that runs by out there. And the coyotes get really, really scarce, really, really, uh, wary really quickly during that time. They're always easier to call before shotgun season. Always. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So when you like, when you call, do you find more success with like uh, a prey distress call or another coyote call? Um, 
coyotes are pretty well fed in Iowa, to be perfectly honest. We have, there, there, there's, there's a lot of game for them. Um, I've done okay with both, I guess. It just depends on what kind of coyote you have, I guess, that's going to gonna be in, in earshot that day. I always start off with a couple howls, usually. Um, not always, but usually. And I've had good success doing that. And like I said, that was something I picked up, you know, going and watching Randy Anderson seminars and stuff. Um, and it does work. But there's been t- plenty of times, too, when I went out and I started off with a, with a prey sound right away. Um, I usually don't use the closed read type rabbit squalor, I guess I'll call them because that's really what it is. I mean, you're out there and it's, a, it's hard to, to, to control your volume with them. I like the open read type calls and I can, I can start off with a, a, a softer squeal, uh, to start with. And if I'm using distress, that's what I like to do. Right. Um, if I'm using howls, I'll start off with a couple of lone howls first you know maybe like later in the year especially when i do that i'll throw a a female howl in there or something like that and then uh go on from there you know um i don't get too carried away with the i'm not you know one of those guys that'll call themselves a a great coyote linguist that can that can you know make any sound a coyote makes i'm i'm not that but uh but what i do works works for me absolutely absolutely well man I mean, tons of great information on this podcast today, JD. I, I really appreciate you stopping by again and, and chatting with us about these uh, these pesky critters and uh, how to get them. Uh, and I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. I hope everybody has good luck out there and be safe. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast is in the books. Huge shout out to JD for hopping on, chit-chatting with us today about the the Wiley Coyote and uh, all the tactics on how you might be able to harvest them, whether it's from trapping, snaring, or shooting them with a gun. Uh, tons of great information. If you want more information, again, go to the Iowa Sportsman website. Go to Facebook. Uh, check out all the uh, information that kind of flows through the Iowa Sportsman Facebook page. And uh, that's that's going to do it. Uh, stay tuned next week for another great episode of the Iowa Sportsman podcast. And if you love this content, be sure to subscribe and get the magazine. And you can do that at uh, iowasportsman.com. So until next week, be safe out there and stay warm.